welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. an interesting book here called All the Last Words, I should say, All the Last Words of Saints and Sinners. Now, it contains, as you can imagine, uh, what people have said just before they died. And some people who are quite witty and clever uh, have been funny right to the bitter end. Uh, Like an American guy, James Rogers, he was sentenced to death for shooting and killing a man. And as he was tied up in front of the firing squad, they asked him, as they do, if he had a last request. His, his reply was simply, sure, bring me a bulletproof vest. And, and, uh, and that, was, that was it. That's all he had to say. Spike Milligan, uh, he wrote his own epitaph, which, as you may know, Spike Milligan, you know, famous Australian comedian, but spent most of his time in England and is buried there. And uh, the epitaph that he wrote that is chiselled in Welsh <laughs> in, on his gravestone simply reads, I told you I was sick. And, um, and, and, of course, Oscar Wilde, uh, brilliant uh, British um, wit, uh, said apparently on his deathbed, um, either that wallpaper goes or I do. And I think that's pretty cool. But others haven't been so happy as I've headed off into eternity, like Voltaire, the famous French writer, proud atheist, was a little less proud as he lay dying. He had once boasted in his own words that... In 20 years, Christianity will be no more. My single hand shall destroy the edifice that it took 12 apostles to rear. On his deathbed, though, he cried out desperately to the friend that was with him. He said, I'm abandoned by God and man. I'll give you half of what I'm worth if you will give me six months life. And then I shall go to hell and you will go with me. Oh, Christ, oh, Jesus Christ. And then he died. Ironically, soon after his death, his house became the head office of the Geneva Bible Society. (laughs) Classic. God's got a sense of humour. You compare that to the peace that many Christians have had when they die. The great evangelist D.L. Moody exclaimed, In his last moments, I see heaven, sorry, I see earth receding, I see heaven opening, God is calling me. And then he's gone. Catherine Booth, the wife of William, the founder of the Salvation Army, she gave these last words to the people around her. The waters are rising, but so am I. I'm not going under, but over. Do not be concerned about dying. Go on living well. The dying will be right. And off she went. Augustus Toplady was an Anglican minister and hymn writer in the 1700s in England. And he was famous for the hymn Rock of Ages. And he cried out on his deathbed, Oh, what delights! Who can fathom the joy of the third heaven? The sky is clear, there is no cloud. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. And then, just as he died, his last words were, No mortal man can live after the glories which God has just manifested to my soul. (laughs) And he's gone. Presence of God. You know, all those quotes show that sometimes it can be quite meaningful and powerful and significant when a person, what a person says just before they die. It reflects something about the life they lived, 
and the legacy that they left behind. And so wouldn't it be great to know what Jesus said just before he died? Well, we do. We have the gospel accounts and they record his last words. And they say something not only about his life and his ministry, but they also help to point us to how we should live. And so I want to look at a few of those statements that he made. Uh, The first one recorded in the book of Luke. And this is while Jesus is on the cross. He prays these words, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers were gambling for his, for his clothes by throwing dice. And they, so people were, were, were you know, gambling for his clothes, uh, ridiculing him, persecuting him. And they say that crucifixion is the cruelest, most painful means of execution that history has ever seen. And here in the midst of his pain and suffering, Jesus isn't thinking of himself. He's reaching out beyond that pain, beyond that incredible suffering and he's extending his love and his forgiveness to the very people that are putting him in that situation of pain and suffering. And that love and forgiveness, of course, reaches out not just to the people 2,000 years ago, but all the way to each of us today, right through time, right through spiritual space, if you like, to the spirit and the heart of every person ever created created to live in relationship with God and requiring forgiveness in order to do so. And that forgiveness could only be earned through what Jesus did for us. That's how significant Easter is. And, and our sin, just as much as the people back then, put him on the cross. You know, um, that statement was a fulfilment of a prophecy. In fact, there's 25 Old Testament prophecies that were fulfilled at Calvary. And one of them is from uh, Isaiah 53:12, and it reads that the Messiah would make intercession for the transgressors or the sinners. And so there Jesus is literally praying for us because we sin and we don't really realize the effect of our sin, but God does and God knew in order for our sin to be dealt with, what it would require, a perfect sacrifice. The only possible person to do that was Jesus. And even the disciples, as Ruth was saying before, didn't quite cotton on. They were hanging around with him for three years. And he's telling him, I'm going to go and suffer. And Peter's rebuking him. No, that'll never happen. Oh, get behind me, Satan, Jesus says. You, you, you just, oh God, you know, sometimes Jesus, uh, you know, is like, I'm, I'm doing my best here, Father. You know, but these guys, they're not getting it. You know, isn't it amazing, though, what God can do with anyone who's available? Like, you know, you don't have to be that clever. You don't have to be that good looking. You don't have to be that anything. You just have to lean in towards God's will. He'll touch you and use you, bless you and help other people to find him through you. And look at those 12 disciples. Of course, one really spun out of control and didn't make it. The other 11, they're still a you know, pretty good bunch of misfits. You know, They hadn't been and done a whole lot outside their little area. They hadn't gone off to university. They weren't highly trained. And all. But the power of God comes upon them. And then they get baptised in the Holy Spirit and a few things get shaken into place and, oh, now we get it, you know, and then they, away they go and change the world. Uh, well, Jesus' love was for them, but of course for everybody else. And, um, and the love that he exuded and exclaimed over those last words on the cross 
for everyone is the same love that he wants us to have for others. And of course, he's loving people who really were his enemies, people that hated him, and he calls us the same way. In Matthew 5, uh, it's, Jesus said to the disciples and to us, written for us, he said, you've heard it said, you can love your neighbour and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Wow, that's a high calling. But of course, his love for us, his love in us can help us and we need that. It's the only way we can ever do anything like what he's calling us to do, that, to do there is to be able to love people who maybe don't love us. Second thing, uh, a few verses later in that same book that Luke has recorded, Jesus on the cross, it said uh, in verse 44, it was now about the sixth hour, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. So the six hours midday, so measured from about 6am. So for three hours, from about midnight to 3pm, darkness came over in the middle of the day. And then it says, uh, verse 45, while the sun's light failed, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Verse 46, then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said that, he breathed his last. Notice what a supernatural event, just before we see the words that he was saying, what a supernatural event that was. The darkness, think it's you know, a one in history moment that's occurring and that curtain miraculously gets torn in two. And why is that? Because it signified a barrier between man and God. You know, in the, in the temple, they had this special place called the Holy of Holies or the holiest place. And only the high priest once a year on behalf of mankind could go in there and meet with God. And that's where the Ark of the Covenant was kept in, you know, from back in the, the days. And, the, you know, they had kept the, the Ark with the stone tablets and the presence of God dwelt and they carried it and they were around in tents and then they'd finally got it into the temple and so this special place wasn't for everyone wasn't for any moment it, it was just just a once a year and and the priest and they say that they would tie a rope around the priest's ankle so that he would fall over in God's presence and maybe die there if they didn't pull him out and save him and so he's the only guy sometimes temple's gone in other words God's saying now because of what Jesus is doing everybody anybody at any time can come into my presence and you won't be judged for your sin because Jesus has taken the punishment you won't die in my presence you'll be blessed in my presence isn't that amazing but back to what Jesus said father into your hands I commit my spirit you know uh, that just shows how Jesus lived when he was on earth, completely committed and submitted to the will of the Father. Because we know, of course, Jesus was God, but he lived as a man. And so he had to keep in touch with the Father who was in heaven to know his will, to do his will. And you can see that tension between being 100% God and yet 100% man and, and, and the need for him to pray when you read the Gospels. And, uh, and he was committed while he stayed in touch with the Father, to the life that he was meant to lead, to the mission that he was given, to the calling. And he stayed committed to the plan that he was given right 
to the end. And so these words here are words of complete trust in God, which we can really learn from because he's confident even in the middle of this terrible pain that God, I'm, I'm still committing to you. And uh, you know, some of the other quotes in this book that I have about last words are, are those of Christian martyrs who were burned at the stake or tortured for their faith in some way. And uh, it's so inspirational to see so many of them committed to God right to the end, even when they had the opportunity to recant their beliefs and avoid punishment. So there was temptation for some of them, for all of them often, uh, who maybe had professed what we think are completely normal beliefs, Protestant beliefs, talking about access to God. Uh, and yet sometimes the state church would think and say that that's heresy and that you had to go through the church's procedures to, to get to God. And if you don't believe it, you didn't just sort of get kicked out of the church or wrapped over your knuckles. It's like, no, you're going to get put on the rack or burned at the stake. And many, many people said, all right, if that's the way it is, I'm going there and, and away they went and, and they would preach to people as they died and they would hold up their integrity, their confidence in God, even in the pain and that would really frustrate their tormentors because you can tell the bloodlust sometimes when you read these accounts of the tormentors, they wanted to see them suffer and sometimes these guys would just pray forgiveness over them, bless them, smile. There's one account, uh, John Bradford, he was a preacher in England, he was convicted of heresy uh, by the authorities because Queen Mary had come to power at the time and all the Protestants were considered enemies of the state church. So he was sentenced to be burned at the stake along with a friend. He approached the pile of you know, timber they've got there and he calmly knelt down, prayed, picked up a log, kissed it and embraced it and then got up and said, all right, away you go, do your worst. And um, and the flames began to engulf him, uh, over him, and he preached to the crowd. And they have people who were there recording, you know, these sort of situations and, and, uh, and the words. Uh, that he was compelling people to repent from idolatry, which, you know, was going on a little, and, uh, and turn to Jesus alone. And, uh, and then his final breath, the crackling, they said the crackling and the roar of the fire was getting louder and louder. And then over the top, he called out to his companion, be of good comfort, brother, for we shall have a merry supper with the Lord this night. And then off he went into glory. <laughs> Come on, what a way to go. <laughs> Don't you find that? It... Okay, oh, let's face it, you find it a little disturbing if I'm meant to say, you too could have the gift of martyrdom. Yay, you know, so it's sort of, little concerning, but it's sort of exciting as well, don't you think? Like, uh, I, I, I just think it's awesome, you know, and, uh, and later that night, you know, they would have had all, you know, there he is in the, Lord, in the Lord's presence. New body, no singes, you know, just, uh, I think it's very inspiring. Because, um, look, we will probably not have to experience that level of, level of suffering. You'll be pleased to know. But the question you've got to ask yourself is, could I and would I? And, and again, not at the same level, but the principle of what Jesus went through and of what some of these people have gone through, will I stay committed to God? 
even in tough times that really maybe aren't that tough compared to some of these guys and certainly compared to what Jesus went through, but the same spirit of suffering, the same angst and anguish that can hit us over maybe a tiny little situation, but the same feeling. And people have run away from God when they should run to God. People have lost their commitment to God when they needed to hold on to their commitment to God. People have sadly left the Lord's house and relationships with people that could help them because those very relationships sometimes have gone a little haywire and God's allowed that for them to work through some stuff and, and build community and character and uh, it's easy just to run away. And so we got to wonder when we think about those words of Jesus, am I committed and will I keep putting my faith in God, trusting him that he's going to work it out? You know, he works all things to good for those who trust in him and are called according to his purpose. And then the final one I want to reflect on, uh, because all good sermons have three points. You know that. I had, you know, 14, but actually, uh, you know, you've got to just focus in on three. Um, but there, I mean, there are quite, you know, seriously, there are quite a few things you, you can look at at Jesus, you know, the cry in Aramaic, you can look at uh, the anguish that he felt, you know, we're just focusing on a few. The final one, the book of the uh, end of book of John, chapter 19, verse 30, Jesus cried out simply, it is finished. It is finished. Well, what did he finish? He finished his assignment. He finished his mission. He finished what he was called to do. He finished. Finished was the most perfect life ever lived on earth as an example for us to follow that we get to read about. Finished also with the amazing lessons that he had given and are left behind again in the Gospels for us to learn from. Finished was now the need for sacrifices that they used to do over and over again to atone for sin because this one sacrifice would be enough to deal with sin forever. Finished was the barrier, as I mentioned, between us and God, symbolised by the curtain in the temple that had now been ripped in two that used to keep people out of the holier place of, and the presence of God. Finished was Satan's fate. Finished was the power of death because now we've got eternal life. Finished was the need for you to ever fear death. Finished was your guilt and your shame and the effects of your past, trying to hold back the great future that God's got for you. All of this is finished. It's been dealt with. How awesome is that? And of course, God's call is on us to finish our assignment. What's God given you to finish? And will you be as committed to your calling as Jesus was? Because each one of us has a mission, an exciting plan and we are called to complete it with the life the energy the breath that we've been given now of course ordinarily when people die uh, that's it their last words are all that they have to say and that's that's the end but in this situation something miraculous happened in case you hadn't heard Jesus didn't stay on the cross and the last words of Jesus on the cross were not his last words because the power of God has come. Raise him from the dead and today he's alive and today he's still speaking. And so we learn from those words, those last words on the cross, but we get to learn from many other words that he continues to speak to us. Yeah, And in fact, Jesus is known as the word of God. And he speaks to us through the Bible 
and he speaks to us through the voice of the Holy Spirit. God uses other people to speak to us so we can learn from others. He's given us a brain that he indirectly speaks to us to figure out what his will is. And all different ways God will speak to us. And as John uh, 6, 63 records, Jesus said once, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. And so of all the words that we hear, not just the last words from people that can be moving and maybe a little disturbing, not just the words that you hear on songs that are, you know, kind of sweet and emotional, words that you hear at weddings, like yesterday we heard lots of nice words, lots of nice speeches, lots of nice speeches, uh, you know, and people say the same thing, you know, say, and they're in, yeah, oh, I love you, I love you. And, and look, I... I, I'm, I'm starting to feel old because at our wedding, you know, I, we, you know, you have a couple of speeches and you say, oh, well, thanks for coming and I love my wife and God bless you, you know. These days, like, I got a 15-page poem, I'm going to talk to my wife and you know, I just love you and they're all, it's great, it's okay, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying, I think there's a, I don't know, it's new, young, confident people just sharing their entire life. It must be the social media, they're used to saying everything to everybody. So go to a wedding now, people are just letting it all out. They're going on and on about every nuance of their life and relationship and feeling they've ever had. It's like, wow, this is great. Except I feel like, you know, we're just, you know, in the, in the bedroom with you, just listening to your intimate conversations. Like, you know, anyway, it's all good, it's exciting. But, you know, the words... Words are powerful, but the Word of God is the most powerful, you know? And, uh, oh, wow, you know, Jesus is the Word. And as I said, He's still speaking. Let me finish with this little piece of prose. I so love what Eleanor wrote also. Uh, and there's power in words, good, well-crafted words. And this is who we, this is who we worship. This is who we, who we listen to when He speaks and follow Greatest man in history, had no servants, yet they called him master. Had no degree, yet they called him teacher. Had no medicines, yet they called him healer. Had no army, yet kings feared him. He won no military battles, yet he conquered the world. He committed no crime, yet they crucified him. He was buried in a tomb, yet he lives today, and his name is Jesus. And he is alive today. Amen? How exciting. And, that's so, and the words that he speaks, let me finally say this. He speaks to us, but of course he also wants to speak through us. And each one of us can make a difference in the world when we have the words and the life of God in us to speak words of life and of hope and certainly if they're words that lead people to Jesus. And that's what we're on about, yeah? Just glorifying him, loving him and appreciating his, his victory uh, that we do today. Come on, let's close in prayer. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.